Callum bringing it forward. Thompson's making the run. Carroll hangs on to it though. Still Davy Carroll. Could go all the way here. Oh, what a goal! Hello, I'm Phil Catchpole and welcome to Ringing the Blues, the podcast all about Wickham Wanderers. On this week's show, we relive the action from Wickham's spirited display at Carrow Road against Norwich City. We also look ahead to the game against Watford at Adams Park with our stats man Tom Hancock. Plus, we find out a bit more about the B team with new coach Sam Grace. But first, let's head to Mexico City for the results. Ringing the blues from Mexico City, my name is Uri, and here are the results for the Championship League. Get ready for a lot of one-ones, okay? Watford, one. Bournemouth, one. Bristol City, one. Swansea City, one. Cardiff City, one. Middlesbrough, one. Coventry City, nil. Blackburn Rovers, four. Huddersfield Town, one. Preston North End, two. Millwall 1, Barnsley 1, Norwich City 2, Wycombe Wanderers 1, oh, Queen's Park Rangers 0, Birmingham City 0, Reading 3, Rotterdam United 0, that's a lot of rrrrs, Reading and Rotterdam, Sheffield Wednesday 0, Luton Town 1, Stoke City 3, Brentford 2, And as for Cherboy Spanish, well, it's very easy. You know, we are celebrating Halloween, we're in Halloween season, and in Mexico we celebrate the Day of the Dead. So how do we say Day of the Dead in Spanish? Well, Day, Día, Day, Día. Death, Muertos. Muerte, Muertos, Death. So, Day of the Dead, Día de Muertos. Happy Halloween season, Happy Day of the Dead, and back to Ingerland, to the Ringing the Blues Studios with my amigo, Phil Catchball. So, Wickham headed to Carrow Road, still in pursuit of their first points in the Championship. They took on a strong Norwich team, who were freshly relegated from the Premier League. Here's what happened. Oh, it's just not good enough at the moment, you know, so I need to... I need to make sure that we're, we're all positive for Saturday. We go again. We've got to find a way. But that's six wins and uh, six defeats on the spin, and I think that's a first for me. You know, I've had five before, but um, never six, and it's uh, not a nice place to be. But you know what? I'll get them up for the for weekend at Norwich. Cantwell now forward to Pucky. He's unmarked in the middle through. Can he get a shot away? He does. And that's a goal easily taken, actually. Just sliced right through the middle of the Wickham defence. And it really hasn't taken very long. Less than three minutes. That's such a shame because Wickham did look bright from the kickoff. Jacobson looks up, floats it again over for Wheeler. Lovely little header. Can Kashka get ahead of the keeper? He does, and he scored! Wickham Wanderers have scored an equaliser against Norwich. Beautiful play there. Long ball from Jacobson. Kashket held his nerve, got past Krull, and it's Norwich 1, Wickham 1. 
Grancic, can he get a shot away? Takes a dive. No one touches him. Uh, the referee thought that was a foul. I don't know, apart from the fact that Vrancic lifted off like an Apollo moonshot and landed like a sack of potatoes. Looks like Vrancic is lining up for it. Chips it. Top Into corner. That is a real kick in the teeth for Wicked Wanderers. Vrancic with a free kick from the top draw. Gareth, we'll talk about the performance because you you often talk about the performance having your name on it, and that was a Gareth Wainwright performance today. Absolutely, and our Carroll this team is designed to go straight back up to the Premier League, and eight or nine of those players played in the Premier League last year, so what a fantastic uh, account of ourselves we've given today. How we haven't got a penalty is, is beyond me, honestly, really is. Uh, we're not getting the decisions at the moment. Um, Little Wickham doesn't seem to be getting uh, as much credence as a lot of teams in this league, and uh, I don't want to say too much, but hopefully these decisions will turn and, and get the right way soon because uh, the lads deserve something today. They're, they're absolutely fantastic. We keep playing like that. There's going to be absolutely no worries at all that we'll be staying in the championship. Uh, the, the winning goal, injury time from a free kick. Have you seen the incident that led to the decision to give that free kick? Yeah, it's probably a free kick. Yeah, I'm not going to shy away from that. But um, if that's a free kick, then it's a definitely a penalty at the other end. So um, he's got to be consistent. He's not going that way at the moment, but I'm not going to talk about referee decisions. Talk about the throwing the body in front of the, in front of the shots and, and the way we've... Uh, you know, we've just non-stop running and non-stop closing down against a team that I tell you will will rip teams apart in this division because they are a great footballing side. Um, Daniel Farker's a, a good manager. He's he's got them playing a really good way, and you've got players in there that um, in the tens of millions of pounds, you know. And, and so I'm really proud of my boys, who probably all of them were told they were never good enough at one stage, and uh, and they're coming here playing in the championship, mixing it, and uh, and almost pulling off a shot today, which would be great. Two three minutes into this game, you look livid in your technical area you'd obviously been working hard in the week and you're a goal down and, and fearing the worst but the, the lads showed great character to get a footing in the game yeah we worked really hard in the week on, on, a, on a certain way to play and we did the opposite in the first five minutes and I don't know why that was a bit of shell shock a bit of a bit of carrow road and a bit of respect for Norwich but uh, as soon as that goal went in it was actually a positive because we reacted to that and uh, and you know got back right back in the game great and had down from David Wheeler uh, and another goal from Scott Cash get a first away goal which is again another positive and uh, yeah let's uh, let's go to Watford and, and well let's be at home against Watford on, on Tuesday and, and see what we can do because they're another fantastic football inside you know they're going be up there at the end of the season. I know you don't like to single players out, but there were some real standout performances today uh, for Wickham Wanderers. Young Josh Knight in defence, Anthony Stewart as well. Uh, Wembley-esque at times, um, apart from the goal obviously in the first couple of minutes, but a marvellous performance. And David Wheeler as well, both ends of the pitch, instrumental. Brilliant, you know. I, I, I don't want to single anyone out because they're all brilliant, you know. The, even the boys who didn't play and were in the stand, you know, just getting behind, it was almost playoff-esque, you know, hearing them all appealing and, and, and shouting, and we're all in this together. Um, you know, I've got some big characters in that dressing room, relying on them um, to come in and come to the front when I need them, and uh, and the legs today almost almost got as a result, didn't. Um, but Tuesday's not far away. I'm looking forward to that. Do you feel it's getting closer? Yeah, of course it is. You know, there's a, we're a long, long way away from Blackburn and, and Swansea and, and games like that where we, we really felt quite off it. Um, you know, there's going to be some real twists and turns this year. And 
you know, as long as there's breath in my body, there'll be a positive attitude to go into surviving in this championship. And Uchik Piazu coming off the bench as well. Many Wickham fans would have been absolutely delighted to see him. Uh, some good minutes for him, and he held up the ball at times and really showed what he could offer. Yeah, I mean, Uchik's going to get stronger and stronger. You know, he's got he's got the big man to learn off, but you know, the, the big man's still got a big part to play as well. And I think between them two, we've got uh, some fearful strikers. Um, Scott Cashkett getting goals. You know, Alex Samuels still. So uh, I'm pleased we're getting some, uh, some bodies back. Now, right? you know, and, um, I think uh, Tafazoli and, and Gabe um, McCarthy are all very close as well. So having a full squad will be a, a difference. But um, today, well done Norwich. They got the points. Uh, we'll be back and uh, I look forward to when they come to, uh, to Adams Park as well. And finally for me, the, the Wiccan players coming off the pitch looked angry at the end, uh, which that's a good sign, isn't it? It's a great sign. Uh, they know that they were they were... Well, it, it was something that they deserved. You know, I think it was taken away from by decision. I think there's there's a penalty in that, in that game that I, I don't want to go on. You know, we're not getting it at the moment, but there's a red card and a penalty that we just didn't get. Um, but I'll never ask for red cards for any player. And, and and referee doesn't see it. He doesn't see it. That's that's part and parcel. We've got to make sure that we uh, we react the right way on Tuesday, and we will do. So the Canaries broke the chairboys' hearts late on at Carrow Road. We've set the regional accents machine for Norfolk. Here's the opposition view. Canary Chris. My God, that was some greedy horse manure for the first hour or so. We should not be relying on Super Mario's Wonder Boot in injury time to see off wet and wanderers. Uncle Fred. Dreadful performance against the worst team ever to be in the championship. The gun show. Ram and Darby, and that leaving without a point was harsh after their performance. They might struggle late in the season as they put a lot of effort in to balance out a lack of scale, but you couldn't fault their application. Fair play to them. They gave it a right old go, and I hope they make a fight of staying up. Not said. Wetton are a bunch of wenging cheats, and I'll be delighted to see them go down. Branston Pickle. For a really physical side that prides itself on that fact, Wickham's dreadful play acting to win free kicks at every challenge was utterly astonishing. They got away with plenty, and at 1-1, they had what they came for. The number of Injuries was ridiculous, but it's up to the ref to control such things, and credit to Wickham for not parking the bus. Uh, in their way, they gave it a bit of a go. Was it? That was like watching the dog and duck on a Sunday morning, complete with a Sunday morning ref. The amount of time they wasted was obscene. Their keeper hanging onto the ball, the time they took to take a free kick or a throw in, and not once did I see the ref telling them to get on with it. There could have been four or five yellows for a time wasted.
didn't. I would love to have some sympathy for Wetton, who didn't just park the bus and try and nick something like Darby and Birmingham did, but the way they threw themselves to the floor, rolling around, blatantly wasting time, was embarrassing. If they're gonna come up to this league and do that, then they deserve to go straight back down again. GLG Mid Norfolk Canary. With no crowd present, the working bench, and even their director's box, were being allowed to referee the game today. Their voices were the loudest you could hear, and they influenced a weak referee in Gavin Ward. A full stadium would have thrown them out. Rock the boats. This game was Wickham's Cup final. Coming up against a team that was in the Premier League last season, it was obvious they were going to play out of their skins and try and get a result. Scoring a first-half goal just gave them the impetus to keep going and not collapse, which they might well have done otherwise. Giles Phillips, Curtis Anderson, Andre Burley, Andron Giorgio, Malachi Linton and Anis Mometti. All young players signed for what we thought was called the Wickham Wanderers B team. However, both Pete and Rob Kuhig have contacted me and said, uh, it's not really a B team, these players are part of the squad. Well, to find out more about the whole operation and also what should we call it, I caught up with the coach, Sam Grace. Uh, yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. I think the reason we probably called it a B team is so that sort of the greater footballing world know know that we're what we're setting up. Um, really, it's probably something like a prospect squad because um, from the outset we we aim to sign six players, and we were very much of the mind that we want to keep it small so that they can train with the first team day in day out, so they get that opportunity uh, to work with um, the wonderful squad that's been put together. You know, learn off the likes of. Uh, Bayo and Blooms and understand what Wickham's all about and you know just get that mentoring not only from the coaches but from the players um, you know, being seen day in day out by Gaz and Dobbo means that they're ready to make that step um, a, bit, a bit quicker rather than possibly just training with their peers and perhaps not getting that challenge that they require. I think a lot of fans are quite excited by the fact that one of these uh, prospects is already in the first team squad and getting minutes in in Anis Mometi. Has uh, has it surprised you how quick uh, that Gareth has called upon these young uh, one of these young players? I think if you just said at the outset, yeah, absolutely, um, we wouldn't have expected someone to be in the team by now. But um, Anis, from the start, to be fair, is when he turned up, his fitness was absolutely superb. He was already able to cover the distances required to be at a championship level. And then he's got that self-belief, which has obviously stood him in good stead. You know, he's coming here believing, he's challenging to be in the first team, not just happy to be in the building. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's done fantastically well. And, you know, lot, lots still to go. And, you know, we look at working on his strengths and the other areas of his game that he needs to develop each day. But, yeah, it's been a really good start from him. Sam, talk to me about what you were looking for in these players. We've spoken to Dobbo in the past and, you know, the psychological profile of, of first-teamers and anyone involved in Wickham Wanderers seems to be scrutinised. Uh, I'm guessing that's the case for these youngsters as well. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it was a quite a big um, process during the summer. Each week we had 15 players, 15 new players coming in a week. Um, and we trained for three days, have a game on the last day on the Friday, like we did against Chesham, which uh, I think some people got to. And then if they did well, those players would carry forward to the next week. If they did really well, and then they go and train with the first team at that moment. A bit of problems with COVID, I mean, we had to separate them. So that was a little bit hard. But yeah, we, ultimately we were looking at, you've, you've got to fit into this uh, wonderful culture of uh, selflessness, uh, giving to the team. Um, that, that had to come first in terms of your character. Um, but then also you have to have your, your technical strengths, something that's already in the championship um, level. So for instance, whether it's Andron's delivery on his left foot, uh, Malachi's ball striking, um, Andre's got great organisation skills from the back. And then as some people have seen now, Alice's uh, vision for passing, that had to be something we're going, well, we love that and we think we can work on the other areas. For players a bit like, on, you know, Andre... Uh went from Reading and, and Anis from Norwich bigger clubs you know with all due respect to Wickham and, and probably did things a bit a bit differently different makeup and looking around the first team as there had been a whole lot more money and stuff involved is that tough for players to think oh have I failed at that level am I dropping down is it is that something that's tough for them to deal with I think it depends on the individual I think um, in a lot of cases the reason some of these boys are with us is purely because of opportunity you know if you have um, let's take Norwich's case you've got a very strong midfield in terms of Campwell Buendia and you've got Ollie Skip on loan from Norwich if you, if you can't see a pathway um, then it's probably the right thing they're doing letting those boys go and find somewhere else to play obviously different players uh, take that rejection um, some to heart some use it uh, to come again so Malachi is a good example of that you know, at 16, didn't work at Ipswich, then went to Crew, it didn't work. And then he went to Lowestoft and, you know, scored, said, you know, this is what I want to do. Scored 20 goals before March and lockdown. And he's got himself another opportunity. So, yeah, I think it's really how the individual look at it. I think a great example here is possibly uh, Dominic Gape. You know, at Southampton, he looked at his pathway, wasn't sure he could get in. And he was like, I want to play first team football. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the right kind of characters for Wickham um, are happy to make that step. And the Malachi story is really interesting because fans will always do the same thing. They'll go on Soccer Base or Wikipedia and they'll think, Lowestoft, why are we signing players from that level? Whereas other fans will think that's exactly what a club like Wickham Wanderers should be doing and finding these these rough diamonds from, let's be honest, non-league, which is where Wickham's lion's share of its history is. Um, it's a huge step, isn't it? 20 goals is fantastic, but it's a big big step in level. Yeah, it is. And, and everybody's going to need um, different things. So some players, I think, especially for goal scorers like Malachi, will probably look to get him some loan time as well. So although we've got the B team fixtures, we want him to get that um, opportunity to go out play regularly, um, score goals, and then, but also have the benefits of training with us uh, day in, day out. So everybody's going to need something different, but you know, you only have to look at the likes of Jamie Vardy, who've come through recently. Um, there, there's plenty of talent there at non-league, and for whatever reason, sometimes things click later, be it physically, psychologically, in a game understanding, no, no one path is the best way. Right, Sam, let's find out a bit more about you. This is your yeah. second spell with Wickham Wanderers. Uh, you were here with us uh, back in uh, 2007, 2008. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I started with uh, Centre of Excellence then, um, run by Gary Carser, and came up. I just got my B licence actually through uh, Jim Kelman, previous manager for Martin O'Neill. He'd taken me through that. Um, and he applied, and they asked me to come assist just with the under nines to start with. 
and that was fantastic for me. I worked with Dave George, um, who showed me really, you know, the the technical requirements, the psychological characteristics that were really required. And then over the sort of the next four years, I uh, went sort of then started taking the age group myself, went up to under 12s um, until the last year when I was doing, you know, do one of the foundation phase age groups first. Then I'd go and help with the 14s during the day. I'd come and assist with the youth team, set up a couple of development centres as well, one based in Aylesbury, which was looking good. Um, and yeah, really just um, involved in an environment that where everybody was pushing each other in a positive way, feeling that you're part of something bigger and just desperate to improve and develop both players and staff alike. It was yeah, a fantastic period for me that I look back on very fondly. And Wickham had such great track record um, bringing young, talented players through through the academy and and for whatever reason, well, down to money, really, um, it was closed and I was just watching the game at Reading the other night and, and Josh Laurent playing and I thought he was in our academy and I saw yeah, he had a big hug with yeah. Anthony Stewart and I think there was Danny Loder, another Reading player um, that came through as well. Uh, have Wickham lost a lot of ground over these last few years, do you think, Sam? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot of players that we had high hopes for. You know, um, Probably the players that stayed here, the likes of Courtney, Josh Scour, Matt Ingram, probably kept the club alive in terms of being able to help on the pitch, but also when they were sold on. And we felt that we had players of uh, equally, if not better, talent uh, further down that maybe for some haven't gone on like Danny, some haven't quite um, flourished in other settings. So, yeah, I, I think we have. But I think now uh, with the setup of this uh, prospect group, I think we've got a chance to try and write that balance and we'll have uh, players coming through again. I'm quite positive of that. So in Wicker, you left Wickham in, in 2012, um, but then you went, where did you go from there? Was it straight to Reading? Oh, I watched a lot of the Olympics that summer on the first day um, on the sofa, you know, trying to get over it. It was like a, a real loss, to be honest. But yeah, I, I started in the, the following January. I started at Reading, uh, went back to a football and education project, um, which um, was good for me. And it was, it was a chance for me to get my A licence completed. Um, and then, yeah, worked through the age groups at Reading until um, when I finished up there in August um, with the under-16s. Um, yeah, fantastic to be part of, um, you know, Category 1 Academy, uh, see how when you do have bigger resources, how it can be used um, to benefit players. And, you know, that's given me some great experiences and some ideas that I've brought across to here. And are now uh, using those to help um, the four players at the moment um, hopefully develop and flourish and be the best they can be. And how was it to get the call from Wickham Wanderers? Uh, and has, has this been in the pipeline for a while? Because Rob Kuhig spoke about a development, um, or B team as it was then, um, quite a while ago when he first started uh, making overtures towards buying Wickham Wanderers. So has this been in the pipeline for a while? Um, we spoke, the first time I spoke with Rich was in March, um, but about it. Um, Rich is. Um, very good in terms of he, he never raises people's expectations so I, I hadn't heard about it before then to be honest but I've always been close um, with Rich uh, Dave Waits who's back you know came back to the club after not long after the uh, centre of excellence folded and Gaz has always, they've always been very good to me usually come in a couple of times a year see how they're getting on um, see who's uh, doing well and just see how they're doing things again so it, it was um it, once they made that call and they explained their vision, it was quite an easy decision for me to make. Um, yeah, it was, it was a great opportunity for me in terms of uh, my development, also being part of uh, the club again.
So, I, mean, I see you out on the pitch on match day, I think playing a bit of foot golf with Dobbo as well, um, which is always good. <laughs> always good for me before a game because uh, even when fans are in, I'm normally there early and it's the only bit of action I get to watch before uh, before the team sheets come out. So it's good to see you taking part in that. Um, but th- these young players, obviously, they're training with the first-team squad, but there will be uh, B-team or prospect squad games uh, involving yeah. these young players and first-teamers who aren't getting the minutes to keep their fitness up. Um, how often will these games be taking place? And obviously, at the moment, fans can't come to matches, but uh, at some point, will pa- fans be able to come and watch, do you think? Yeah, ultimately that's the aim. You know, um, we are obviously stuck in these difficult times with COVID, but as soon as we can have uh, fans in to give them a more authentic experience, then we'd absolutely uh, love that. We did actually play a few weeks, uh, two weeks ago from the international break. We played against Fulham um, down at their training ground in New Malden, and that was um, a brilliant experience um, because ultimately the team was full strength team without Mitrovic and their starting goalkeeper. So you had um, the midfield, they had like Kearney, Lookman, Loftus-Cheek. Um, so they are really good spectacles. And I'd say they're probably a step beyond the typical under-23 fixtures, which can often be, um, you know, first, second-year pros and you're playing against uh, men's teams. So they really are a good challenge for our, our players. And it is a great blend of those first-team and B-team players. And it's closer to that first-team fixture that you get the weekend. So it's not only fantastic for these these youngsters that you've signed, but also uh, for the players around the squad who have been for a, yeah. a season or two who aren't getting the minutes, desperate for their chance. And I think one of the things in the past they've struggled with is when the minute the opportunities come, they've not been match sharp. Is that really going to help those guys too? Yeah, I think it will. It, it keeps them sharp. You know, um, they're talk they're talking about the games. Yes, I'm going to get game time this this week. They're really looking forward to it. I think probably the only person who is disappointed is is Dave Waits, who was uh, busy talking about scoring another goal again, possibly this season. <laughs> you beat me to it. I was going to say, is Waitsy out there on the training ground trying to catch <laughs> your eye? The, the goal no, that never he, was from last year. Yeah, he's uh, he's very sad. It's still it's still a. It's still there, according to Waitsy, but there's a lot of um, dissenting voices in the office at the moment saying that the game's null and void, it doesn't exist. Yeah, well, I checked the records and it's not there anymore, so I'm afraid, <laughs> afraid Waits is uh, he's going to have to uh, score another one, if, if he can catch your eye, by the sound of it. Well, Sam, <laughs> yeah. Sam, it's great to have you on uh, Ringing the Blues, and I think fans of a certain age will be absolutely delighted to hear that your journey in coaching started with Jim Kelman, because I think Wickham's sort of rise up the leagues from, from pre-Martin O'Neill, it was Jim Kelman who laid those foundations, so I think there's a lovely parallel in your own story and the club story, and... Uh, and I'm sure we'll be watching your progress very closely. Brilliant. Thanks, Phil. No, really good to speak to you. And yeah, Jim was a great influence. And, uh, you know, the foundations he laid in me, I continue to put into place. So, no, thank you again for having me. So, for the second game in a row, it's a relegated team from the Premier League taking on Wickham Wanderers in the Championship. Yep, that's right. Watford are coming to Adams Park on Tuesday night. But who are the danger men? What's the formation? And what can we expect? Well, to talk us through that is Tom Hancock of Chairboys Central. And Tom told me before the interview that Watford aren't that keen on possession like some of the other fancy teams are in this division. I'd say so, yeah, if you look at the passing numbers and the uh, possession numbers so far, they're, uh, they're down to be more direct end of the division, but relative to us, they are, you know, you still call them a passing team, as you would with most sides, really. Um, you've got Wickham down the bottom, then Middlesbrough, and then it yeah, starts to... Uh, get a bit more um, possession-based, for want of a better term. 
but yeah, compared, compared to Norwich, they're uh, they're quite different. So Wickham had an excellent performance against Norwich. How would they approach this game against Watford? Would they have to change their approach and style? Do you think? Broadly speaking, I don't think so. I think you want to keep the uh, the two up top against Watford's three man defence. I think all the little, you know, the the general work rate and the closing down and everything, all those little things that came together on Saturday, is what you want in any performance and. Uh, if I were Gareth, I'd be picking the same side and going out and uh, trying to do the same again. Watford haven't really kind of got any rhythm yet, but their the results are fairly ominous. They're not playing great, but they're picking up points. They're fully expected to go back up to the Premier League with the size of budget they've got. How will they attack this Wickham team? Where where should Wickham be worried? So it is a very different setup to Norwich in that they play three five two. So uh, Vladimir Ivic, the new ish manager, came with a reputation of setting up teams to be pretty much impossible to beat and uh, putting emphasis on defending and uh, keeping it very tight. So far, they've largely done that. They, they haven't had um, you know haven't been the meanest defence in the division. I was Reading, who we came up against in the week, of course. But uh, they're towards that end, and uh, with three at the back and three midfielders in front. You're um, you know you're going to keep those central areas quite tight, and uh, it's designed to be hard to break down. And who are the danger men? I mean, obviously down from the Premier League, a few have left the club, but they've they've retained some of those Premier League players as well. Who are the ones that Wickham fans should be watching out for on Tuesday? Ismail Assar is probably the main one. He's only just come into the side now that uh, they know they're keeping hold of him. They've sort of fended off interest from. Crystal Palace and supposedly Liverpool over the summer. You know, he is one you could call a, you know, feasibly call a Premier League player, but uh, the asking price was so high that that's kind of worked in their favour and they've managed to keep him for now at least. Uh, you know, he's incredibly quick, came in as a winger but can play as a second striker where he has been. Uh, he played on Saturday against Bournemouth and uh, I'd be pretty worried about him running, against, running up against our centre backs. You know, I think when you've got that kind of pure pace, he's probably the fastest player I've ever seen live. Combined with the skill he's got, you know, he, he's a quality player, and that's, uh, you know, it's quite a scary prospect. <laughs> not that we'll fear anyone, but um, I think on Saturday we were done by a great ball through to Timmy Pookie, who's not quick at all. You know, this is a striker with pace. If we're not tight again and someone slips the right past him, we're going to have no chance against him. With Watford, I mean, there was that one brief lapse right early on in the game against Norwich, but Wickham were excellent after that. Is it simply a case now against teams like Watford, Wickham just cannot afford to switch off once across the 90 minutes if they're to pick up a result? Pretty much. I think after the Pookie goal, there wasn't anything clean cut for Norwich. You could say on a few occasions, maybe had there been a better final ball, they might have created something and cut us open. But um, from what actually happened, they had a lot of shots, but we kept them down to low quality chances. And yeah, in some cases, players will bury those. But I think that's kind of the best we can do against sides like this is keep it tight, take what we get at the other end. I think we got the right balance on Saturday. And I think in terms of approach in general, it's got to be the same again. Not parking the bus, but uh, putting more emphasis on defending. But hopefully we can nick something early. The one thing you don't want to do is concede the first goal because they are, they will try to sit on a narrow lead. They managed it against Derby and Luton and nearly against Bournemouth. But at the same time, that could mean they now realise that uh, they need to push on it a bit more. And against us, you'd have to. They should fancy scoring a few, 
as I think all teams will, but that doesn't mean they will. And um, yeah, I think broadly speaking, though, same kind of approach. Three five two for Watford. Then um, I'm guessing the the wing backs will be the danger players for Watford in terms of the width and in creativity. Yeah, they're going to you know yeah, that's obviously where the width comes from in that kind of system. You've got Jeremy and Gakia who they brought in from West Ham in the summer. And on the left, you've got Ken Shima, who is more of a winger than a wing-back. But yeah, not a kind of system that we've historically done well against, as we saw against Swansea and as we saw on numerous occasions last season. So I suppose it's, where can we, you know, we're going to have to have greater width than we had on Saturday. I think we did a reasonable job of that against Millwall, whether it's a case of maybe moving a few. I might have said actually stick to the same side, but I'm not too sure actually if potentially you were going for something slightly different. Could we even pack the midfield and play a 4-5-1 possibly but uh, I think you'd then leave whoever's up top quite isolated but yeah this is um, against Norwich it was really a case of keeping it tight centrally right that's it up for this week many thanks to Tom Hancock and Sam Grace and remember you can listen to Watford taking on Wickham Wanderers at Adams Park live on BBC Three Counties Radio on 98FM that'll be with me Jeff Doyle and Derek Payne those first championship points are just round the corner on the blues.